0: So from week to week, when we come together as God's people, when we come to worship Him, when we come to hear from His Word, we will often hear a similar story from God's Word. We hear what our God has done for us. We hear what God has initiated for us. And from what God has given us, we then can learn and encourage one another to respond. God initiates we respond we hear what god has done for us and how we can live out what what he has done for us in our lives through thanksgiving and gratitude and we apply it to our lives and we apply it to the life of the church body the story that we hear is the good news of what god has done and continues to do for us through his son jesus christ Many of us can probably recite the familiar verse of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In a moment, we're going to be reading from Ephesians, in the cha- particularly chapter 5, and we'll hear a similar statement from verses 1 and 2. We'll hear the Gospel, and then following that, we will be able to hear and listen to how we can respond So today and over the next several weeks, we're going to continue with that theme of God initiating and we responding. We have entered into a new year. We've entered into a new decade of 2020. And now we have 2020 vision, right? Yeah, so much clarity. Okay, maybe not 2020 vision, but we strive to have 2020 vision. And today, as we focus on Ephesians 5, we'll Particularly focus on verse 10 as Paul commands us to find out what pleases God. A couple of months ago, um, our congregation was introduced to a simple report which was titled the Exeter Christian Reformed Church Playbook. Now a playbook in a sports context uh, would include a collection of all the team's plays. And then they can refer to it at any point in a game situation. An organization might use the term playbook as something the organization can refer to. Just ensuring that they are on track with their mission, with their values. On track with what is important to them. Asking them, why do we do what we do? So the Exeter Christian Reformed Church playbook that we have followed asks and answers four questions. They are, why do we exist? How do we behave? How will we exceed? succeed rather and what do we do and these four questions they can be asked of any organization business people you can take note these four questions could be asked to each of us personally as well individuals take note if you're visiting with us today many of you are and over the next few weeks these questions will apply to whether you're visiting or your members here we can all apply them to our lives or the churches that we attend so, we have four questions. That means we'll have five sermons. I'm not great at math. But today we start off with recognizing that we live in a sinful and a broken world, but that our God has put a plan in place. And on this journey, we are part of this journey. We are to find out what pleases the Lord. Let's come to God in prayer. Father God, we are here in Your presence as Your children, and each one of us is on a different spiritual journey. Some new believers, some old believers, some maybe not believers yet. But by Your Son and Your amazing grace, You've given us an opportunity to have all our sins forgiven, and You have given us an opportunity to respond out of gratitude and thanksgiving for Your love towards us. So whatever we have done and whoever we are, we pray that Your Spirit and Your amazing grace will open our eyes to what Jesus has done and how we can respond in finding out what pleases you. Bless the reading and the message from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're going to go through this message a little differently than what we have in the past. We'll go through the reading uh, initially. I'm going to fully read the first ten verses. And then we're going to go through the verses piece by piece. Maybe one verse, half a verse, a couple verses at a time. But we'll go through the ten verses piece by piece. So you're invited to open your Bibles or your phone apps or follow along on the screen because all the verses will also be on the screen before us. But I encourage you to use Bibles or your personal Bibles as well. So Ephesians 5, 1 through 10. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children... no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We begin with verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. People of God, you are dearly loved children. You are children of God, made in God's image. And as His children, again, you are dearly loved. Now, this verse is first pointing our attention to God, as it says, encouraging us to follow God's example. Now, He is God. We are people, but we are His people. And as we strive to follow God's example, we will more and more see God for who He is and what He has done. Often children will take on their characteristics of the parents. Even when they might say, there's no way I want to be like my mother or like my father. But family still takes on certain characteristics of one another. What it means to follow God's example, to take on His characteristics, is to be holy like Him. Now, that doesn't mean that we can be perfect and exactly like Him. But we can strive. We can strive to be holy like Him. And when we, and as we're doing this, when we begin to see who God is and follow Him and follow His example, we also receive more clarity on His characteristics. But we also receive more clarity on who we are. His dearly loved children, sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. So God has initiated His faithfulness, His promises, His amazing love to us. And so we go to verse 2 where He calls us to respond. And we read, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The Apostle Paul, the author of this letter, commands us to walk in the way of love. As we read in other parts of Scripture, love God. Love one another. We're called to respond in love. We heard that again through the children's message. When when, when our mom or dad loves us, how do we respond? We respond in love. We respond in finding out how to please them. So we respond in love. And why do we do that? Because in verse 1, as we just read, God loves us. In verse 2, we just read, Jesus loves us. So Paul, once again, provides us clearly the gospel message. He provides us the good news that Jesus loves us so much that he was born, lived, and he died to save us from all our sins. For God so loved the world, what did he do for us? He gave his one and only Son. Out of nothing that we have done and everything that he has done, God gave his Son as a sacrifice, Jesus, out of obedience Rather, God gave his son as a sacrifice to us. And Jesus, out of obedience to his Father, to his heavenly Father, to our heavenly Father, out of obedience and love for his people, Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for us. So, how are we called to respond? Well, I think we're called to believe. We're called to believe in all that He has done for us. Believe in who He was and is and is to come. Believe and love God and love one another. Walk towards the cross. But then the Apostle Paul kind of goes on a little bit. And he kind of jumps into the reality of this world and into our lives. As to what happens when we fall short. And we will when we love ourselves more than others and more than God. So these next few verses that Paul expresses uh, give us a hint of what some of those sins can be. And there's a tendency to take these verses out of context. And, and it, it's, these verses, as we read them, it's so much easier to apply these verses and these sins to other people. Or as the famous NHL sportscaster coined the phrase, you people but I think these verses apply to each one of us. They apply to all of us. Verse 3, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. Okay, so as we hear these, these words, most of us have probably failed on this verse. And maybe already today. We often think that this is talking about people maybe who are sexually active outside of the bond of marriage or maybe they're living together or maybe in same-sex attraction or relationships. And we forget about the verse in Matthew 5, 28 where Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, we all fall short in our relationships. We all fall short in our sexuality. And then it goes on to talk about greed. And greed, we tend to think, okay, it's often financial greed. But it's also possessions. Oh, maybe the more money, the bigger car, the bigger house, the bigger cottage, the bigger lake. Or even social greed. Try to accumulate more friends. Or, or how many likes are we going to get on our followers on Instagram? Greed is a desire to have more of something. Greed points us into the direction on worldly things. And puts our focus on Jesus below these worldly things. So the worldly things are up here and Jesus is below that. And it's too easy for us to do an about face and turn towards the world and turn away from the cross. So Paul goes on to say, because these are improper for God's holy people. The Jewish people would have... Remembered that throughout the Old Testament, and particularly in the book of Leviticus, and you can read the book of Le- Leviticus, it's quite dry, but it, read it. Many parts in Leviticus, it's stated, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Again, this is part of where we're called to take on the characteristics of God. Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now the Greek folks who maybe weren't as familiar or versed with the Old Testament needed this reminder by Paul that they too are God's holy people. We serve a holy God. And God wants us to follow His example of being holy. Now people, this is a huge commitment. And so we need to be reminded (coughs) of the sins that can result in unholiness, the sins that can di- distract us from such a commitment. The reason why we turn from these sins, or turn towards these sins rather, but we're called to turn from, away from the sins because we are God's holy people. We are His loved children, sons and daughters. So Paul goes on to say in verse 4, Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. You see, Paul kind of just keeps digging us deeper and deeper. Kind of just keeps hitting that sin button. Obscenity. Words that cause shame and grace. Putting others down so it appears that we ourselves can be elevated. Foolish talk. People who talk like fools. And scripture is pretty clear what a fool is. Psalm 14 verse 1. The fool says there is no God. So people who speak against God are like a fool. Coarse joking is speech that's not fitting for a believer. We have to be careful what comes out of our mouths because that is an indication of what is in our hearts. And so instead of these negative and dark things that come out of our mouth, Paul states instead to turn away from those and rather give thanksgiving. Give thanks. We are challenged to be giving thanks. Not just on Thanksgiving weekend, not just through the Christmas season for the celebrations and and many gifts we receive, not just on birthday celebrations or other celebrations. We are to be giving thanks each and every day for the blessings that God gives to us. So when we have a tendency to speak badly about someone or something, we're challenged here, and in other parts of Scripture too, to turn our minds towards thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to God. Now, how many of us don't fall short on that one? I know I do. How many of us don't often grumble, whether maybe it's about politics or the prices of things or the weather this weekend especially? Grumble about people, grumble about the church. The list goes on. But according to Paul... One who gives thanks has their focus on God. One who gives thanks is putting their attention to God and on His grace. In other letters to churches, Paul states to give thanks in each and every circumstance, and that's quite the challenge. But again, that's what we need to strive for. Verse 5, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person such a person is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So if Paul just described each one of us in one way or another, as sinners, which we are, then why even bother coming together? Why are we even here? Why bother with church or even with Christianity or with following Jesus? Because none of us could possibly enter into God's holy presence. I mean, are we not to some degree immoral and pure, greedy, idolaters? And maybe some of you are thinking that, like, yeah, like we fall under these things. How could we possibly come to the presence of God? How why why are we even here? Paul goes on to state. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Again, we're called to follow God's example, not to be partnering with those who live contrary to God's will. We will follow God's example of holiness, not the world's example of unholiness, or doing as what most of the time we would rather do and what we prefer. You see, we are either kingdom Builders, we sang the song this morning. Build your kingdom. We're either building the kingdom or we're tearing down the kingdom. Kingdom destroyers. We're either unity keepers or unity breakers. So who are we going to journey with in our life on this earth and beyond? God's wrath upon people is real. Judgment is real. When we break the moral law, The police and the courts deal with people in a way that is typically just. We do not want to be under the wrath of the courts or the justice system. When we break the spiritual law, God will deal with his people in a just way. We don't want to be under the wrath of God. But as God's children and his holy people, God has provided a way out for his people. And this is not only speaking about eternity in the future. It's already speaking about today. On our own, we cannot possibly pay the price of the punishment. Our sins, from a moral perspective, would result in multiple life sentences. But God has sent His one and only Son to take the sins of the people upon Himself. Jesus has become sin for us so that all our sins can be justly dealt with. So that is why we are here. That is why we can gather together on Sundays. That is why we can strive to be holy people. So people keep our focus on the cross, partnering with Jesus, partnering with works in his kingdom, not partnering with the world verse 8 for you were once darkness paul is saying what we used to be but now you are light in the lord this is what we are because of jesus live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the lord find out what pleases god Has God been pleased with our church? Has God been pleased with our lives? These are the questions that as his followers, following his example, we're to continually ask ourselves and one another. I think too often we want a church that pleases each one of us. Me, pleases you. And I'll tell you the secret. The best way to do that, the best way to do that is to start your own church and don't invite anybody else in. (laughs) But that's not the way it's supposed to be. The goal is not for you and for me to be pleased. The goal is to find out what pleases the Lord. And we do this as individuals in our personal lives. And I think more importantly, we do this as a body. Our corporate lives, our church lives. And then not only to find out, because we can find out. We're great with information. We love the head knowledge, right? But not only to find out, but strive to live a spiritual life and a church life that pleases Jesus As Paul states, we were once darkness, but now we are light. And we're going to hear more about being light and salt next week, as we hear from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 13-16. We are light because of what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because of the one light of the world, Jesus, we too, as followers of Jesus, are lights in this world As I was reading this, I have to admit, I was thinking that there's no way on earth that myself or any of us could possibly be holy enough to please God, to be the light that He calls us to. But people, when we allow the Spirit of Jesus to be at work in us, even when we do things that are wrong in this world, we'll come to realize the wrong that we're doing and we'll confess, and we'll ask for forgiveness, and realize that all our sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Finding out what pleases God is not trying to make sense of it all. It's having faith in Jesus for all that he has done for us. Having faith that Jesus has done all that needs to be done. Hebrews 11, verse 6, we read, And without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So as we discern as individuals how we can please God, and as we discern as a church how we can please God, let's first put our trust and our faith in the One who leads us. Let's first put our trust and our faith in the one who takes away all our sins. And again, yes, we mess up. We mess things up. But we have a Savior who's taken upon himself all our messes each and every time. And on account of that, we don't just keep striving to mess things up because he's going to take away the messes on him anyways. No! But on account of that, out of gratitude and thanksgiving, we strive to find out what pleases God. Believing through faith that Christ has redeemed us as His own. That He has taken all our sins upon Him and sharing that amazing news with others. God has initiated His love to us through His Son, Jesus. Jesus has initiated His love to us through the sacrifice on the cross. And the Holy Spirit initiates His love to us through His continued work in our lives. And so let us respond by loving God and loving one another and continually discerning and finding out what pleases our Lord. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Holy God, God who calls us loved and holy children, thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of your son Jesus who sacrificed himself on the cross to take all our sins upon him. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus working in us through faith. For those who might be here today and other weeks and maybe they don't have a relationship with you, work in the hearts of your people igniting the spark in the hearts of your children to become a flame and to find out what pleases their Lord and Savior. For those who are new believers or maybe longtime believers, we pray too that the power of your Holy Spirit will grow these relationships deeper and stronger and increase faith as your people continue to seek you and your will, finding out what pleases our Lord and Savior. Bless each person present in whatever circumstance and journey he or she is on. We can only pray this because of the cross, because of Jesus and your amazing love. In your name we pray, amen.